Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me once again is Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing? Doing great, Joe. Not bad for a rainy, dark, dreary Monday night, I guess. It's starting to feel like fall. Yep. All right, well, you can send us your questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at NHHSports. You can listen to the show every Tuesday morning throughout the football season at nh-highschoolsports.com. And uh, before we get started, let's take a moment to tell you about our sponsor. The presenting sponsor for the Ninth State Sports Show is Roger Howe of The Bean Group. Are you thinking of selling your home? Now may be the time. While the weather is starting to cool off, the market is hot and interest rates remain at all-time lows. It's time to call Roger Howe, a licensed professional realtor with The Bean Group. Not sure what your home is worth? Roger will provide a market analysis for you at no charge. With 12 years of experience in residential, commercial, leasing, and investment properties, Roger knows your local market. Contact Roger Howe of The Bean Group at 800-450-7784 or 603-247-1583 or email him at roger at rhowrealestate.com. If you would like to join Roger as a sponsor for the Ninth State Sports Show or anything else we do at nh-highschoolsports.com, uh, send an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. All right, Mike, uh, we've got some uh, some interesting stuff to uh, to talk about today, uh, but I think first we'll uh, we'll probably we'll start with our our, uh, our players and teams of the week. Yeah, there were some really great games this weekend, but uh, and it was hard, hard to hard to pick a team and a player with all the performances that were out there. But I, I think you know we we talked about it before we started here, Joe. I think we got it right, but you know we'll let the viewers beat us up or the the listeners, I should say, beat us up if we didn't. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we, they'll let us know what whether we got it right or not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I'll, you know, why don't I? I'll let you go first with uh, who was who did you have as your player of the week? So again, I it was hard, you know, I took a look at a bunch of different things and there were some big performances this week, but I'm going to kind of go back to my week one methodology, which was not so much stat based, right? Cause there were some monster stat performances this yeah, past week. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to go more with a guy who, who really, I think made the difference um, for their team in a big win this week. So I was looking at the, uh, the Bedford win over uh, Thornton Academy, which was a 16 to 10 victory for, for Bedford, New Hampshire over, you know, Thornton Academy was last year's defending champ in, in Maine's biggest division, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. Um, but you had, um, Dom Tagliaferro, I think I'm getting that right again. You can email us at uh, <laughs> and let me know yeah. if we did not. But uh, he's a junior safety for uh, and starter for the Bedford defense who had two interceptions in that game, one of which pretty much sealed the game for Bedford, right? It's a, it's a six-point game at that point. Um, and Thornton Academy was on the march uh, at, late in the fourth quarter, and Dom picked off uh, uh, the Thornton quarterback and, and pretty much sealed that game, right? You figure six-point game. They go down and score, kicks the extra point. Game might have been over at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, in a close game like that, two interceptions—that's uh, a huge contribution to really was a, a really great victory, right? These these cross state games may not quote unquote mean anything, but I think there's a lot of pride. Uh, you know, when you go and play a team from out of state, you want to win, and I think that's a big victory for Bedford. And I think uh, I think. Dom really helped seal that for his team, so I wanted to recognize him today. All right, yes, excellent choice. I, you know what? I'm also uh, going to go with someone that made a uh, a big defensive play. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, with Spalding Zach Lynch. Um, yes, you know he is the one who had the pick six uh, in the fourth quarter against uh, Portsmouth Oyster River on Friday. Uh, you know Spalding had been down for the entire game. Uh, they're trailing ten nothing. With about six and a half minutes left, he uh, jumps a route, picks off a pass from from Portsmouth's Aiden Thomas, and uh, returns it. I, I've, I've seen different numbers here, 75, 80 yards. Either way, uh, long return. He gets in the end zone. They make it 10 to 6, uh, and that really starts um, you know momentum going the Raiders' way. They, they come back. They, they uh, force another turnover, score off that turnover, and then all of a sudden they win 12-10, 
uh, Spalding uh, off to a three and zero start. Although the uh, you know I think as we talked about that that third win or that win last week uh, out of state, so technically two and zero, but still undefeated after three weeks. Uh, just huge thing for a, a team that um, you know hasn't been able to put a ton of those wins together the last couple of years. And that one, I know that's the kind of play where you know y- you never know. I mean, that could just jumpstart them. Um, you know, moving forward the rest of the year, kind of change their their season around. You know, if they lose that game, maybe it snowballs. Um, you know, and they've got an interesting one coming up this week with Dover, uh, rivalry game. Actually, the oldest rivalry in uh, in New Hampshire, uh, or at least the most, uh, the one that's been played the most. I think it goes back to like the early 1900s uh, yeah. between the two schools. You know, but they they have a, a, the schedule lines up a little bit for them here with Dover Memorial. And then Merrimack uh, before they get into some tough uh, conference games uh, with Timberlane, Exeter, um, you know, in two of the last three. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that was I'm going with Zach Lynch this week of Spalding. Well, it's a great pick, and, and it, it dovetails into my team of the week pick. If you would like me to go there, <laughs> yes. um, I had Spalding as the team of the week. Yeah. Um, and, and for a lot of the reasons that you just said, right? I mean, when was the last time that, that um, the Red Raiders were off to a 3-0 and start? I think you'd have to go back some time. Um, you know, they, they, there was a point where they were up and down sort of in the old Division II, uh, you know, Division One, et cetera. Um, but they've struggled for years now. And um, a 3-0 and start, regardless of, of who they've played uh, or, or, or what have you, I think that's huge for them. Um, I watched that game from start to finish, and they've got some players, and their players are young. I mean, they're, they're impact players. A lot of them were juniors. Um, they've got a pretty capable quarterback, and uh, Caden Melendez, who's a junior. Um, you mentioned, obviously, Zach Lynch uh, making a huge play there at the end of the game. And then um, they also have Hunter Truman, who's a junior running back, wide receiver, depending on what set they're in. He's a DB. Um, number 18, he really kind of stuck out to me as well as, as a really, really good player that Spalding kind of builds around. But they were very good up front, I thought, on the offensive and defensive lines. Um, and they gave Portsmouth a lot of trouble. Um, and, and Portsmouth is a good team. I mean, Portsmouth has um, Connor Jackson as one of their running backs, and uh, Aiden Thomas, who you mentioned, is a pretty good quarterback, despite, the, I'm sure, the, the pain of throwing that, that last interception. I mean, it was, a, it was just a great play by Lynch. It, it wasn't, I didn't think that Thomas really did anything wrong there. He, he gunned a ball out to a, a kid in the flats, and Lynch just jumped it. Um, so, you know, that's the other thing, is that Spalding, not only are they off to a good start and have a, 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 an interesting schedule lined up in front of them, but they're pretty young. They've got some impact players that are only juniors, so um, pretty exciting if you're if you're a, a Red Raider or a Red Raider fan. You know what a what a weird couple of games too for for Portsmouth. You know they they go they you know they're leading this one and driving to to maybe put the game away, and all of a sudden it slips through their fingers. You know a week after they get a special teams and a defensive touchdown in the second half, gain one yard in the second half and beat Winnicott. Like just. Yeah, Just such a a weird you know turn of events and and you know week to week and you know I I think it's you know why we uh, one of the reasons why we love sports right why we love football um, the ball bounces funny uh, it's shaped funny uh, and and it, 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 it certainly <laughs> does and and I'll, I'll tell you what and I'll say this there was another game that I I was able to get into this week but and I'll say the same thing about the team that didn't win in that game but. Portsmouth is a pretty good football team, right? The one thing that I saw was that they had really good running backs, and, and for a spread team, they're not afraid to run the ball, right? It's not like they're, they're trying to force the ball uh, through the air when, when that might not make sense, right? They really lean on their backs well. You know, they're, they're undersized a little bit up front, I noticed, um, but they still they play hard. They block well, but that might, that might be one of their – you know, weak points if they get into a, you know, a contest with a team that just, you know, physically outmans them pound for pound up front. But Portsmouth isn't a bad team either, I didn't think. I was relatively impressed with them. Well, I uh, I went with a, a team that I, I saw firsthand on Friday as my uh, for my team of the week, and that would be uh, the Exeter Bluehawks, who uh, went into Salem, won 35-15 uh, for their third win of the year. 
And uh, really what it was was, uh, you know, I mean, the, the Exeter offense, um, you know, I, I know I, I read these numbers off to you and you your, your response was, yeah, that sounds like Exeter. Uh, but they yep. um, they had on Friday uh, 57 carries, 416 yards rushing, five touchdowns. Uh, so that's, I think, uh, 7.3 yards per carry. I had them for 20 first downs, 19 of them on the ground. They were 9 of 10 on third down and uh, had the ball for nearly 29 minutes of the game. Uh, and it was uh, Ethan Moss that led the way for him. I had him with 181 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, just a, a dominant performance, um, you know, against the Salem team that, that is still trying to, you know, figure its way um, figure figure its way through some things. I you know they they lost a lot of guys from last year, and they they're playing a lot of guys who don't have experience. Uh, and all the way through sophomores, juniors, seniors, you know they've they've got some seniors playing who you know are maybe playing new positions or or trying out um, or had you know hadn't played varsity football before. Um, you know you can kind of see it there uh, with Salem, but it's just one of those that's like they they need the experience first. Uh, but and, and that's tough against a team like Exeter that, you know, those kids, the Exeter kids always have, you know, seem to know what their 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 football IQ is is probably one of their best traits every single year, regardless of what the talent on the field is. And uh, I would say this year that the, the talent matches up with that. They are um, they are a very good football team. Yeah, that's uh, to me, that's that's code for they're extremely well coached. Right. Um, and they, and they have been for the longest time, right? I mean, my, I remember my first, my first years in, in the old division two, which was kind of a lot of those Seacoast teams, including Exeter. And then it was like Merrimack and PG and Alvern and a couple other teams that were in more of the, the Southern New Hampshire area, but Exeter was the team to beat back then as well. Uh, not, not that PG wasn't, wasn't good either. Both <laughs> of those teams were excellent, but those kind of stats are exactly what you expected from Exeter every single season, no matter who they were replacing, uh, you know, no matter what kind of line they had or what type of backs they had, they just managed to put those kind of games together, especially if you don't understand how to deal with what they do, right? You could keep it a little closer. You could limit some things or whatever, but they're just, they're just very well coached and disciplined and, I know that they've been hearing that for 20 years, and I'm going to say it again probably until Coach Ball is no longer the coach there. But that's that's what they do, and that's why they're always very, very good, no matter what kind of a year it is for them. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, definitely want to talk more about that game too. Um, but any other thoughts on any any highlights or, or any, or do you want to just roll right into these games here? Yeah, we can roll right into them. I, I there's a there's another game that I caught that I wanted to talk about a little bit, but uh, let's let's as long as we're on Exeter, uh, sure. let's talk about Exeter. Yeah, this this game, um, it, it looked like early on that it was gonna be all Exeter, and and for stretches it was. Um, you know, the most one of the probably more interesting things I think from this game was seeing Salem go, um, you know, from it's under center um, on its first two drives. Uh, with Nolan Lumley at quarterback, um, you know, taking snaps. And then I want to say it was their third drive. They came out in the shotgun, uh, which I don't know if I've ever seen Salem do on a consistent basis. I guess it wasn't, you know, too much different from what they normally run. They just moved the fullback, I guess, out to a receiver, um, you know, and put the quarterback in a shotgun. You know, they ran a lot of um, a lot of outside stuff with with David Jakes, um, getting him kind of in in space a little bit more. Uh, he had all of their rushing yards. I had him for um, 28 carries and 152 yards. Um, and Lumley was the only other player to record a carry, and and he had I had him for zero yards on five carries. Um, yeah, you know, you know we, we we've spent a lot of time talking about Exeter, but. Jakes is a special player for Salem. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's only a sophomore, I think. No, he's a. I'm, is that right? He's a senior. Oh, is he a senior? Is, is he a first-year senior, though? I can't um, remember. He's been he's been on the varsity. There just have been so many other guys there that it's you know he's finally the maybe guy. Maybe that's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, then, yeah. It, uh, so I apologize, but um, but yeah, I mean, look to get 150. There's there's another thing, right? To get 150 yards rushing against Exeter, also not an easy thing to do, right? Because as much as you talk about Exeter's sort of like patient, grinding, straight T offense, they're usually extraordinarily good in the run game. Yeah. 
So you got to figure maybe Salem was grasping at straws a little bit and said, hey, you know what? We just know we can't physically match up with these guys run game-wise. How do we get it done? Okay, let's try something a little bit different that maybe Exeter wasn't prepared for and give it a whirl, you know, get in the gun and, and like you said, try to flip it out to a, a, a really talented player a little bit and see what happens. And they, um, you know, it, they did make it interesting uh, with by doing that. I mean, it was uh, it was a fourteen nothing game, and uh, I'm just kind of sorry going back through my notes a little bit here. Um, you know, after Salem makes it fourteen nothing, they again they go into that shotgun, and um, you know Lumley completed a pass, or you know Jake's had a couple big runs. Lumley competes a a, a long pass to uh, Justice Casado. Gets them down inside the four yard Exeter four yard line, uh, and you know they had a chance there to make it fourteen seven still in the first quarter, and uh, you know Exeter's defense has a goal line stand stops Jake's at the one yard line on fourth down, and then turns around and goes on an a uh, uh, you know a long Exeter drive. Um, what did I have it here for? Uh, Sixteen plays. Um, to go from the uh, their own one yard line down to the Salem nine, uh, they did fumble yep. and lose a fumble um, at the the Salem nine. So that drive ended with a turnover. But you know they they completely flipped the field, ate up more than or excuse me almost seven minutes off the clock or over seven minutes on the clock. Excuse me, um, you know and then forced a punt from Salem, turned around and scored, made it twenty one nothing. So I mean that was a, a huge moment in the game too. Uh, yeah, big swing. Game. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you also you also got to figure about Salem changing their offense a little bit there. You know, the cool thing about that is you know at least you think right. I guess you don't know for sure, but Salem's probably not going to abandon their identity uh, with that sort of under center wing T offense that they've done because right. they're very very good at that. Yeah. Um, and that's generally the same offense that they ran under Coach Pike. Um, before he left, right? So that there's some consistency there. But to have something that they can switch it up to and go to, not a bad thing, right? There's a little right. bit of, uh, you know, a little, little bit of extra preparation you have to do if you're a defense. It, it gives you a break glass in case of emergency thing to go to uh, if you're Salem. And, and, you know, hey, if they were successful with that to some degree against Exeter, that's not a bad deal. You know, you know that you can go back. That's another weapon that you have. So, uh, so Salem... Um you know, gets an interesting game coming up this week. They will play. So, so this weekend in Division One, we talked about a little bit in the past, or or maybe even last week. I think um, this is rivalry weekend in Division One. You got your North Souths and your your Pinkerton Londonderries, and so Salem, uh, kind of an interesting one here. They go and they play Wyndham. Uh, is is I guess their uh, predetermined rival here, um, which I guess makes sense because Wyndham kids used to go to Salem. Uh, before the school opened, uh, but they are going to be playing Friday night uh, at Wyndham uh, for a seven o'clock kickoff. So it's I'm I'm guessing that that's uh, Wyndham's annual uh, blackout game, uh, where you yep. know they're trying to, to the blackout cancer T-shirts and um, so that should be an interesting atmosphere. And then you look over at Exeter, of course, uh, you know their matchup is with with rival Winniconnet. Uh, an interesting stretch for for Exeter here. You know that game with at Salem started a run of four uh, four of their next five on the road. So they were at Salem, at Winniconnet this week, which it's a rivalry. Uh, weird things happen. You know, y- you look at last year, North South North came into that game three and zero. South went into that game zero and three, and South ended up winning on a la- on a, a two point conversion with no time left. Uh, yeah. So you know anything happens in rivalry games. Then Exeter goes to Timberlane, they host Bedford, and then they go to Dover. So this is the this is kind of the the heart of their schedule here uh, coming up. Yeah, yeah, definitely no easy games there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that should be interesting. Um, and uh, you know, I, I want to talk real quick about the other game um, that I went to this this past weekend uh, that was unlike anything I think I've ever seen before. Uh, and and not necessarily in the in the best of ways, uh, and that was that uh, Bishop Girton Goffstown game that um, that BG won by a final count of uh, sixty eight to seven. Um, that was just, I mean, exactly what you would 
have guessed from a, a, a game with a final score of 68 to 7. Um, you know, you, I think you, you might have texted me during that game and just asked, like, what is what is going on? And, you know, I, I and knowing that Goffstown is a little down, um, you know, numbers-wise, experience-wise, you know, I did see them in the Jamboree against Salem, and, and they, it looked a little rough, but I, I didn't think it was this this rough. Um, they just don't have, you know, looking at their roster, the roster they handed out at the games, at the game, you know, I count on this roster six seniors and nine juniors. Um, I mean, that's, so that's what that's a total of 15, um, you know, juniors and seniors. I, I just, I playing in, in Division One, um, you just, I don't know how you, you can't compete with that, right? Uh, no, it, it would be extremely difficult to put together a winning season with that. Um, and that's a tough situation. It, it's a tough situation for the coaches. It's a tough situation for those players, I would imagine, who, you know, like, I'm sure they worked hard all off season. I'm sure that they had really high hopes for this season. You know, Goffstown is traditionally a very successful program. I'm sure that they worked their tails off in practice. But at the end of the day, you know, you're measured on that scoreboard, um, it, which which sometimes feels unfair because what you really hope to be able to measure yourself against is, are we improving? You know, are we getting better? Are we learning lessons from, from the experiences that we're having on the field? Um, and so I think that's that's going to be the key, really, for, for Gosstown, right? That's a proud program with a lot of great history, especially recent history, right, within the last decade. Um, and... You know, I think Coach Hammond has got to do what what you described to me, right? Which was kind of offline when we were talking. You said he, you know, the coaching staff was very patient and positive, yeah, and yeah. you know, and and I think that's the mark of a great coaching staff in those kind of situations. But the key thing too is that the players have to be patient too. It's not easy going out there and and kind of you know getting your tail kicked like that. But you got to know that you've got a younger bubble coming up. And that you still love football, and even though it's hard to go through that, don't give up. Like don't don't stop working hard in practice. Don't start stop loving your teammates. Don't stop listening to your coaches because there's still good times ahead. And and this may have to be a very very difficult year where you take lumps, but you know it, it sometimes that's the way life works, and it doesn't have to be like that in the coming years. Yeah, I said, what, 15 uh, juniors and seniors. The numbers in the sophomore and freshman class, I mean, they got 20 sophomores and 18 freshmen. Uh, right. And so those, I mean, those are encouraging numbers. It just seems like a couple of classes here that they just didn't have those numbers. Um, you know, and it's it's unfortunate. You know, and, and I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people that look at this score and say, oh, look at those, the Bishop Girton people running up the score. I, I, I'm going to be on like, I like to think of myself as being objective. Um, I know I'm, I'm, you know, doing a, a, a season-long series with Bishop Girton. I honestly, watching that game, I don't know what else they could have done um, in some cases. Uh, it just, you know, it, it, it it's tough. They, they started subbing kids in in the second quarter, um, you know, and, and we've talked, you know, I know we've talked about it. We've talked about it in other sports. Um, you know, you get kids who are, are young, uh, sophomores, freshmen, they've never played in a varsity game before. And all of a sudden, you know, they got a clear shot at getting a touchdown. Uh, how do you tell a kid to, to fall down, you know, and not, no, score? you don't, you, you can't. Yeah, um, you don't. So it's, well, and that's, I think that's the thing is that a, a score like that is not a happy thing for either coaching staff. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I mean, exactly. and I was around long enough, you know, coaching New Hampshire football, Joe, to, be on either side of bad scores, right? You know, there were times where even as a head coach, we, we blew somebody else out and I felt miserable. And there were other times where we got blown out and I certainly felt miserable, <laughs> but, but being on the, being on the, 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 the winning side of that is also awkward and it doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Cause at the end of the day, the kids on that other team are no different than the kids you're coaching. They're just right. wearing different uniforms, right? Like you don't want to embarrass anybody or, I don't think anyway. At least I never did. You know, you don't want to embarrass anybody or have your program look like it's 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 ugly and unsportsmanlike because you run the score. But sometimes, like you said, you put kids in there. Even if you go to your subs, they still want to play. Even if you're running your base plays, well, your base plays are usually the ones that work really well. Hopefully, so <laughs> right, right. you still might score. You know, a couple few times. So it, it's 
it's not an enviable situation for either either coaching staff, I'm sure. And um, I doubt that Coach Trishiani, you know, did anything there that was purposeful other than trying to keep it under control as best that he could. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's um, – they both, again, with the rivalry games coming up, BG goes to Merrimack uh, on Friday, and, uh, and, and Goffstown uh, will go to Bedford uh, also on Friday. Um, you know, so those that's those matchups there. Um, I will be at Merrimack for that BG uh, Merrimack game on Friday. So uh, looking forward to that. I think that's going to be interesting. You know, Merrimack coming off a, a, a 27-21 win over South, um, maybe a little bit closer in that one than, or you know, than than you might have expected just based on what South had done the previous couple of weeks. But um, you know, me, I'm hoping they've got some things kind of turned around. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Spalding and Portsmouth and Bedford and, and, and Thornton, those wins. Um, but you said you mentioned you, you had watched another game uh, that, that conquered uh, Manchester Central game, uh, that conquered one. And really, they're um, Concord's putting on quite a show here with their running game, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, um, Ilya Bahima had another huge day, almost 200 yards rushing. Uh, three touchdowns, um, and, and in much the same way that he did against Keene uh, the week before, right? I mean, it was it was outside, it was inside, it was counters. It, it doesn't matter, right? He's just a he's just a uh, you know he he's built like a fullback, you know what you expect for, from like a like a you know like a wing T like classic like Pinkerton or even Salem like you know big thighs, big lower body, but he runs like a tailback you know, like a speedy little halfback. Um, And and he's really dangerous. Um, Concord's a good team. There's no doubt. But I'll tell you, that that was a game in the first half. I mean, Central was giving Concord problems. Um, Central has a pretty good running back. Preston Caden, I think, is his last name. And, you know, he rushed for 140 yards on 14 carries and two touchdowns in that game. Uh, Liam Murphy started the game at quarterback for, for Central, and He's pretty impressive. Um, you know, he's, he looks like a prototypical QB. He's got a good ball. Um, you know, I think he has sort of a, a younger group of receivers that he's working with, but they're, they're pretty good. They know how to get open. And really what broke it was um, Isaiah Turner had a 65-yard pick six with 44 seconds left in the half. Where at that point, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think it was, a, it, it was only a, a two-score game. I'm trying to remember exactly what happened there, but I'm not like you. I don't. I don't. I don't I'm not really good with all my notes and my stats when I'm watching these games, which is why you run the thing and I only help you. Um, but uh, but that that I think that kind of broke Central's back a yeah, little bit, right? Yeah. Because honestly, as good as Concord has been this season, as good as I think they really are, Central was right there with them. I mean, they were they were really scrappy. They were playing tough. They were making um, big plays on offense and defense. I, I mean, aside from uh, Behema, who was getting his yards, but they were, you know, he wasn't killing them in the first half. He was certainly getting getting good chunks of yardage at times. But you know, Central showed a little spark there, and and you know, I, I think unfortunately, if you're a Central fan, you know, that sort of late interception kind of kind of broke their back a little bit in terms of their spirit, um, and and Concord sort of had their way in the second half. But Central should be encouraged by that first half. I think. I, I mean, honestly. I thought it was a pretty evenly played half of football yeah. to be to be really honest with you. Yeah, they've um you know they they had that game against North last week that was or 2 weeks ago that was uh they fell behind early but even in that opening week against Salem they were up 7 nothing I think for most of the game until Salem kind of woke up and and took that game away. Um you know so that that to me sounds maybe like uh you know just the depth maybe isn't there yet. Uh, you know that that Concord is is running down on running them down a little bit, and it just kind of gets away from you after you're getting tired, uh, you know, getting run over. Uh, but of course, yeah, and maybe a little bit of experience too. You know, I mean, Concord's bringing back what I think they have twenty seniors or something, right? Um, and and I think Central's still young, right? I know they were young last year, but I I think a lot of those players maybe they're not young in terms of whether they're seniors and juniors, but. They're, I think they have a lot of first-year guys that are still sort of finding their way at the beginning of this season. So I think I think Central's got a little bit of a bright outlook. I mean, honestly, if I'm Coach Ray and I'm looking at the first half of this game against 
Concord could be a contender, by the way. Yeah, and I'm looking absolutely. at the first half of this. It's not like Concord wasn't playing well or, you know, sort of had a bunch of penalties or something, right? I mean, Central was legitimately hanging with them. Um, and so, again, you're probably not happy if you're a, a Central player or a coach with a 43-15 to 15 outcome, but I think there's some things there that you can be proud and build on. I really do. And they've, uh, they've got some time to do that. They have a, uh, a bye this week, uh, Central does. So they won't play again until September 30th when they uh, they host Londonderry. Um, but yep. it'll be big uh, test. Yeah, yeah, big test there. Having two weeks to prepare for a team that will be coming off a game against its big rival, uh, and then it'll be two weeks removed from uh, getting a little bit of a scare. Uh, you know, I think this might have been the Londonderry Wyndham might have been the game that uh, a lot of people were were following online. Um, you know, I know I was checking Twitter whenever I could, especially after I saw that Wyndham had a uh, a fourteen to ten lead at halftime of that game. Uh, you know, and then Londonderry comes out and and scores twenty unanswered points in the second half, wins uh, thirty to fourteen behind uh, you know a couple touchdown runs from uh, from Drew Heenan. He also had a a touchdown pass to Nathan Pedrick in the first half that uh, that helped you know give uh, Londonderry the lead. Um, or excuse me, he had a um, he had a touchdown pass late to help them pull away. Uh, Jake Shenna had a touchdown run in the first half uh, that put Londonderry up. Um, Wyndham gets touchdowns from uh, from Tiger on uh, third week in a row for with a score for him that made it fourteen ten late in the first half, and then uh, Wyndham had also gotten a touchdown from uh, to Josh Josh Sweeney to uh, David Croto uh, to to. Uh, give them an early lead after Londonderry had kicked the field goal to start the game. Uh, but, I mean, you know, we, we talked last week, you know, Wyndham coming off a, a close game against Pinkerton. They they blow out Nashua South. You know, how for real are they all? We'll, we'll find out when they play Londonderry. And for a half, they were they were right there with the Lancers. Yeah. Yeah, kind of the same idea that I, I, I went through with the Concord Central game, right? I mean, yes, the final score matters, but if you look at – a half sometimes or a quarter or whatever in a, in a, you know, in a bottle and you say, Hey, did, you know, was it really pound for pound? They were with them or was it just, Hey, one team was struck, you know, the, the, the team that ended up winning the, the favorite struggled a little bit, or there were a bunch of penalties or whatever. And, and if the answer is no, then man, there's really something to build on there. Again, it's, you know, disappointing that you lose if you're Wyndham, especially when you had the game so tight at the beginning, but you know, you know that Coach Byrne is looking at that in a bottle and saying, "This is what we're capable of, right? If we can, if we can continue to have good practices, we can keep up with all the things that we focus. We ask you guys to focus on. This is what you guys are capable of, right here. We took the we took the champs, you know, played them really tight, the defending champs for a half, right? Right. We got to learn how to turn that into four quarters, but if you could do it for a half, you could do it for a second half, right? I mean, it's <laughs> really just that simple. Um, yeah, and you know their um, their schedule. They, like we said earlier, they have Salem this week. Um, they get three straight home games coming up: Salem, Alvern, and Memorial, uh, all in a row there. And then they uh, finish out the year at Central and then at Concord. Uh, and then they don't play. They have a bye week the last week of the regular season. Um, so yeah. they only play eight games. They'll be sitting around that last week, you know, probably wondering. You know, if they have a, a successful second half of the season there, you know, they're going to be sitting there maybe wondering if they're going to get in, kind of doing some scoreboard watching. Uh, so that's kind of a, an interesting situation to be in for, for Wyndham. Yeah, and interesting. I, I said something was code for something earlier. Uh, interesting is code for extraordinarily stressful <laughs> <laughs> if you're a Wyndham Jaguar yeah, fan. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, I want to turn to Division Two and and talk about a team and, and a player that um, <laughs> when we were discussing who to who should be our player of the week this week, you suggested this uh, the one player, and I was like, ah, we we, get it, we did him last week. You did <laughs> last week, right? I was um, like, well, wow, that's a shame. <laughs> uh, and that would be uh, that would be Guilford Belmont and and their uh, dynamic uh, playmaking quarterback Isaiah Reese. You know, last week we we made him or I made him my player of the week. After he had four touchdowns, uh, two of them were on punt returns, which I was just, you know, how, 
who returns two punt return or, or two two punts for a touchdown in, in a game, and uh, and then he managed to uh, to outdo himself there with with what eight touchdowns or had had a hand in in eight touchdowns uh, for for Guilford Belmont last week. Yeah, I think he had five rushing touchdowns on eleven carries <laughs> and over two hundred and fifty yards, and I think he had three passing touchdowns. Which, by the way. All to his older brother Jalen Reese. <laughs> so that's a pretty interesting. Uh, that's a pretty interesting set of stats right there. Yeah, but how is it, how is this kid even for real? <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's, that's the, that's the performances that he's been putting up are like you. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Sean Jellison before we went on here. Uh, not in comparison to Reese, no, but just you know, right. the, you know the 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 stat line on Sean Jellison, who was a very, very good Sauhegan running back back in the early 2000s. Uh, you know, it would be like five carries, 195 yards, and four touchdowns, you know, because they, they'd have to take right, him out yeah. <laughs> to, they, they to avoid them. running the score, right? And, like, th- th- this is that type of performance. I mean, it's just it's, it's insane. But it comes in a, uh, a 52-33 win for Guilford Belmont over, over Bo, which, you know, opens up, I think, some eyes a little bit because now – you know, we we talk, were talking about Bo last week after they beat Plymouth, um, you know, the week before, and, and we're wondering, okay, well, maybe Bo's the class of this East Conference in Division Two, And now Guilford Belmont is the team at the top, the only undefeated team in, in the East at 3-0. and um, You know, and may, now they look like the team uh, to beat. You know, the next couple weeks they get Pembroke and Laconia, both uh, very you know winnable games for them, and then they, they go to Plymouth uh, on, on October 7th. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just a you know, an eye-opening performance against what you know what we believe is a pretty good football team in Bow. Oh yeah, I mean, I think I mean this wasn't a this wasn't a Guilford Belmont runaway either. You know, I mean, Bow opened the game with a forty-yard run from Logan Gordon, and they had a number of those big chunk, um, big big chunk gains in the running game. Bo did. Throughout the game, right? They they had a, a couple of forty yard touchdowns. I think they had a thirty five yard touchdown, um, and and so Bo still pretty potent, right? And from a style standpoint, I think offensively very different. You know, Bo sort of lines up with, you know, not quite an Exeter style, but pretty close to it. You know, multiple tight ends, two sometimes three running backs in the backfield, and they just come right at you and dare you to put an extra guy in the in the box to stop them, right? Whereas you know, Guilford, I think, is, is, is sort of a little bit more dynamic spread. You know, everything is obviously centered around the extremely talented quarterback. Um, but, but yeah, I still, I still don't think it's time to – I mean, Guilford Belmont is definitely the top of that pile right now, but I definitely not, not, uh, not to say it's easy to write off Bo at this point because Bo still made some really good things happen in this game. And, and certainly can't write off uh, the other team we mentioned there too, Plymouth. You know they bounce back with a, a win over uh, Merrimack Valley that uh, looks like it's a you know improved team uh, you know from from its recent history. So I mean that that uh, kind of three team I guess race there. You've also got St. Thomas at two and one uh, as well. Um, yep. You know so that that's shaping up to be pretty interesting. And then on the other side, you've got uh, a handful of undefeated teams there with with Pelham, Sauhegan, and Hanover all sitting at three and zero. Oh. Um, you know, and they look like they've kind of separated a little bit from the pack because there's no one else on that side of the conference or that side of the division with more than one win. Um, you know, so that that kind of, and I guess what really was was eye opening to me was was Hanover's win. Uh, they go on the road and they beat Milford, uh, forty to fourteen, a shorthanded Milford team from from what we understand, right? No, uh, no Chuck Erda for them. Uh, but Hanover comes out and runs for over 300 yards in that game. Um, you know, I, I know, I know, the you know, Erda can do a lot for Milford, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't play up front, does he? No, no, uh, he's a he's a safety. <laughs> but yeah, and, and hey, look, here's the deal, right? We got to start talking about Hanover a little bit more, I guess, because it's very difficult to go into the Milford Spartan Stadium. And, and rush for 300-something yards. Yeah. It's just that's not the kind of identity that Keith Jones builds in that team, right? They, I, I mean, 
we, we went over there one year and we beat them when I was at Sauhegan and we, we had a really, really good day on the ground, but we just had a great, we just had a great day, right? I mean, they were putting seven guys on the line of scrimmage at one point to try to stop us and we were still getting good runs, but you know, but that's what I'm saying, right? That, that coach Jones doesn't let that happen. He's not just going to sit back and just let himself get run over, right? They'll do whatever they have to do but you're not going to pound the ball on us is kind of the mentality. And so, so for Hanover to do that to Milford is a big deal, right? That is not something that teams can just, just go into Milford and do, you know, that's, that's a score aside, right. To put up that sort of rushing performance against a, a, a Spartans team is that's a statement. It really is. Um, so I guess, and, and, and so now I regret not going to that game to see it live because I was going to go to it. And then I had so, something kind of blew up on me at home and I wasn't able to get out on Friday night. But uh, now I regret it because I would have really liked to see how that went down. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, for, for Milford, too, at one, one and two now um, with back-to-back losses here, they're kind of in a, a spot where there's, you know, not much margin for error, I don't think. You know, they, they've got Bo coming up at home this Friday. Um, huge game, huge, huge game. They still have to play Pelham uh, on down the road. Um, you know, their other four games, I think, will be you know a little more um, you know winnable games, uh, so to speak. But um, those other two, Bo and, and, and Pelham, um, you know, they may may need to pull out at least one of those um, to to kind of keep the any shot at, at at making the playoffs alive. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough thing. They've lost to two very good teams, obviously. I mean, Sauhegan is extremely talented and very good. Um, and, and Hanover, obviously, extremely talented and very good, although, I, again, I ha- haven't seen them yet, so that, it's hard to say. But, but yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a tough way to start. And, and still with some really, really um, legitimate contenders lie ahead, um, you got you got to start playing week to week, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, anything else in Division Two uh, catch your eye this week? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think we covered the big ones. Okay. All right then. <laughs> uh, we'll take a look at Division Three, and uh, you know, I think we kind of talked. Um, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, probably last week, about it looking like, you know, the, those there's three teams that look like they're going to be. Um, you know, vying for those top three spots, three of the four playoff spots in the division, that being Monadnock, Trinity, and Campbell. Although, you know, both uh, Campbell and Monadnock having more interesting games, uh, you know, at least in terms of the score this past week, where you had Monadnock uh, just eking out a 22-20 win over Interlakes Moultonboro, and uh, and Campbell going to Stevens and getting a 16 to nothing win. Uh, so both scores that were probably a little bit closer than, you know, we might have might have guessed going in. But again, those three teams: Trinity, Monadnock, Campbell, um, all three and O, sitting at the top of the division. Uh, and then the team I think that that's now put themselves in a very good spot for maybe taking that fourth spot would be uh, Fall Mountain. Um, you know, they they bounce back from an opening week loss with a a close win over Kearsarge. And they followed that up last week with another with a two point win, fourteen to twelve over Epping Newmarket. Um, you know, so they now have uh, you know a, a two and one record. They've got some games coming up, you know, against Conval, Kingswood, and Stevens. That um, at least in terms of their the records, looks like some games that you know they that Fall Mountain would be. You know, if you were putting a line together, you'd probably put them as the favorite. Um, and then they have that all important. Um, you know, tiebreaker with Kearsarge, who's also two and one right now. Right. Yeah, that was the, was that, that was the first game of the season, right? Uh, second game, yeah, last week. Was it the second game? Ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, I. You know, it's interesting. I drove through. I, I don't get to say this ever. I was driving through Langdon, New Hampshire, this weekend, yeah, <laughs> my way I, back from Vermont. That's, that's drove right by Fall Mountain High School and realized I hadn't been to Fall Mountain High School since 1997. Um, and, and my reason for bringing that up is you don't get to see Fall Mountain too much. No. Um, it's a pretty remote location. I mean, I think it's, it's easily an hour and 15 minutes from where I live, uh, probably further from you, Joe, but you, you know, again, we, we've talked about them that they've, they've really been a program that's turned around the last three or four years 
you know, they were down for a good 10 or 15 years straight. Um, and yeah, to, to be in that position, you know, kind of with the schedule that they have in front of them might be in the driver's seat. Absolutely. It is a, it's an hour and 45 minute drive, uh, for me from Nashua to fall mountain. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that's, looks like it's all on like, uh, you know, state routes, uh, back roads kind of. Yeah, no, there's, there's no direct route. No, I can, no. I can tell you that <laughs> from going out that way this, this weekend. It's, uh, it, yeah, but, but Hey, they, they, they play good ball out there. Who did you say they have this coming week? Uh, Conval. And then Conval, they play right? at so, Kingswood the following week. Yeah. Two teams that have struggled a little bit to open the season yeah. despite, you know, some, some really bright spots. Um, you know, and then uh, amongst those, uh, those other three teams that, that we were mentioning, uh, they kind of start their, uh, their round robin, uh, so to speak, uh, with, uh, with Monadnock and Trinity playing Saturday night at Monadnock uh, this week. Then the following week, Campbell goes to Trinity for a Friday night game. And then the week after that, you've got Monadnock going to Campbell for a Saturday morning game. Uh, an 11 a.m. kickoff uh, on on that Saturday, October 8th. So seems like Campbell does that like once a year. Uh, this th- I think they did it for that game against Kingswood as well uh, two weeks ago. So yeah, they've got yeah. a couple of Saturday 11 a.m. kickoffs, another one at noon, uh, and then this week they actually they, it looks like they're getting lights too, uh, playing Friday night against Interlakes Moultonboro at seven o'clock. Uh, so ho- hmm. hopefully, uh, hopefully them and Wyndham didn't have to fight each other for, for lights for this week. Yeah. Right. Um, any other, anything else in, in D3 stand out? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think you summed it up well, right? There's, there's kind of the, the three teams, which by the way, have perennially be been there. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and then it's just a matter of, you know, can fall mountain, hang on. And maybe grab that fourth spot, or does somebody else come up and and you know kind of accelerate their way through the second half of the season here? Yeah, it's uh, well, only 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 time will tell, I suppose. Yes. Um, and you know, in in Division Four, they uh, got their second week in last week. Of course, had a bye that the opening weekend. Um, you know, and and it's kind of, I think it maybe opened up for some teams the way we might have thought. You know, there's two teams that are 2-0 and in the division right now. And, um, you know, if you'd have said it was going to be Summersworth and Newport uh, being those two teams, I, I probably wouldn't have been too surprised uh, just knowing what each has had back, got had coming back and the kind of years that they've had the last couple. Um, you know, I think they're very clearly the uh, the class of, uh, of the division right now. And, and again, it's going to kind of be interesting who shakes out uh as the other two teams to make the playoffs there you know you had um you know the opening week you had raymond putting up a ton of points and a win over franklin um you know and they turn around and and drop a close one to bishop brady um you know this week who had lost to winnesquam the week before and then uh you know winnesquam gets uh gets spanked pretty good by newport so it's you know, it, it looks like it might be a little bit interesting outside of those top two teams, um, you know, in the division. There might be a little more um, parity between the other, other six teams. Yeah, I was looking at it earlier today trying to figure it out too, Joe, and it was like it, it's very clear who the, the top two are. But, yeah, I think it's still way too early to kind of figure out what's going on with the rest of the division. It's, um, you know, like you said, that they, they missed a, you know, they started a week late. So we have one less data point to deal with than you have for the other divisions. And, you know, I, I think I think it's, it's going to really come down to as some of these teams start playing each other and not just, you know, the, the Winnesquam losing to Newport or, you know, uh, Franklin losing to Newfound or whatever it might be, right? Like you got to kind of start figuring these guys out as they play each other. So I'm looking forward to seeing it develop a little bit more. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested. You know, you look at the one team you look at. Um, you know, we mentioned there's two two and O teams. There's also two O and two teams. Um, and you, you mentioned Franklin's one of those. The other one is Muscoma Valley. Um, and and I I'm curious to see how that goes for them because those two losses were to Newport and to Summersworth. So they they right. basically got the two maybe toughest games of the season out of the way, um, you know. Are they able to kind of go on a run now, 
uh, the rest of the way and, and, and maybe turn their season around or, yeah, I'm just, that'll be an interesting one. You know, it's one of those ones that like they, they end up five and two wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Yeah. It could be a very deceptive. Oh, and two. Yeah. If those are the two teams that you've played. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I don't know. I think that pretty much, uh, wraps it up for this week. Any, any final thoughts, uh, before we, uh, we let everyone go and, and we continue to make our preparations for, for week four of the season. I don't think so. I mean, I think we're getting into the heart of it now. You mentioned it, right? There's there's a lot that's shaking out uh, in some of these divisions and conferences. There's uh, rivalry week coming up in Division One this week, which, again, on paper, you might look at some of those matchups and say, well, I don't know, this year might not be that, that as interesting as it's been. But, but we have seen, and you mentioned examples of, and there are other examples of, games where the underdog, you know, won that game because that's what makes rivalry weekends great, you know? So, I mean, I, I think there's a, there's a lot still going on out there, but also we're starting to get into the heart of things now, and this is where it really gets exciting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We are a, a third of the way through the regular season. Yeah. Which is Unreal. always a kind of a, yeah, it's <laughs> we kind that of a sad way to look like, at it. Where do the seasons go? Right, right. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think, I think now we're, we're getting into the thick of things, and that's that's it's really my favorite time, right? Those teams are usually firing on all cylinders now. They found their identities, um, and and you could start to figure out based on matchups and things, you know, who might be for real and who might be, you know, kind of on the outside looking in, and then who might those dark horse teams be. Yeah. So I'm I'm starting to get pretty excited. Same here. I am. Yeah, this is always a fun time. Uh, we'll probably start. Uh... You know, once these games get in this week, where you have everybody having played three games that are going to count in the standings, I might I'm going to start throwing together the uh, the playoff uh, standings on the website next week, um, probably towards the end of the week. But but yeah, we'll uh, we'll start to see that, and it creeps closer every time we do this. Yeah, that was always one of my favorite things to look at, by the way, especially when I was still coaching. Go in there, look at all that. You know, you know, every coach says that no, we don't look at that stuff. Oh, I used to look at it constantly when you did that, Joe. And <laughs> <laughs> be in there looking at all that stuff, like, wow, all right, this is interesting. So, yeah, check it out if you haven't. Uh, all right, well, uh, Mike, thanks again for doing this. Yeah, absolutely, it was a good time as always. And he is Mike Lockman. I'm Joe Marcellina. Enjoy the games this week, and we will talk to you next week.